What do you think, Jack? You think if you pick up all the bus driver's teeth, they'll give you another medal? You think I wouldn't have been prepared? Two years I spent setting up that elevator job. Two years I invested myself in it. You couldn't understand the kind of commitment that I have. You reign a man's life's work, and you think you can walk away. You got blinders on to the world. But I got your attention now, didn't I, Jack? Why didn't you just come after me? No, this is about me. This is about my money. This is about money due me, which I will collect. $3.7 million. It's my nest egg, Jack, at my age. You gotta think ahead. When I find you... Pop quiz, hotshot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? I'd want to know what bus it was. You think I'm going to tell you that? Yes. <laughs> Very good. There are rules, Jack, and I want you to get this right. No one goes off the bus. You try to take any passengers off the bus, I will detonate it. I want my money by 11 a.m. We can't pull that kind of money in time. Focus, Jack. Your concern is the bus. And don't try to call. The radio's down. Now, the number of the bus is 2525. It's running downtown from Venice. It's at the corner of Ocean Park. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 238, Speed. Keanu Reeves, in an action movie, what's not to like? And this is our 17th listener request, coming to us courtesy of Jade. Jade? Thank you, Jade. (laughs) We're excited because this is one, along with Roadhouse, Point Break, it's sort of like the classic trifecta of awesome action movies, rewatchable, super fun. This is one we've been meaning to get to for years. Yeah, although I certainly, until watching it for this, I hadn't watched it in like 20 years. Yeah, it had been a long time for me as well, which added to the fun because I found the Same. movie to be yeah. super exciting. Absolutely. I, I will <laughs> say this, and it's it, I'll talk about it when we get to the end of the movie, but I had a completely different vision of how a scene happened than how it actually happens in the movie. Like, yeah. It had been that long that I had like a different memory of how it happened. Yeah, I'll talk sometimes about it that happens. Sometimes that happens. Yeah, 
So before we even address anything or get into anything, I guess we should calm everyone down. We're back. I know there was some unrest. Oh, that's true. Yeah. People were people Pe took our vague cryptic things that and the thought, show was ending. <laughs> which in retrospect, yeah, we were saying stupid shit. Yeah. We were just sort of unclear on what the schedule was going to be. Matt had his second wedding. That's right. <laughs> got remarried already. <laughs> to the same person. And there was the COVID protocol concerns afterwards. There yep. was obviously allowing for some time for Matt to get bored with that already. Yeah. And so, you know, we did give a couple of weeks. So then we didn't know what we were going to do in terms of when we were going to record again. That's all we really meant. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we forget that people actually listen to this show now. Not a lot, but some. I know. And, and we do the thing where it's like we'll be cryptic or make inside jokes about things. Yeah. Or like reference things that we talked about before we started recording. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we get a little bit lost in the weeds. But we're back. We're going to try to do as much as we can through September. And then obviously we have the greatest October coming up soon. No plans to end the show. No. I, I would say the show is probably at the best place it's ever been. Exactly. That's one thing that came out of Matt's wedding party reception thing, whatever, is a lot of people coming up to me, treating me like the celebrity that I am. It was kind of like a Greatest Moments event. Fan meetup. It yeah. was a, an ass clown hang. <laughs> oh, there were some ass clowns already. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, so no worries there, no concern. I think if we do choose to end the show someday instead of going on forever, I think there will be like a lead up and we would probably have like 10 or 15 of our best ones we haven't done yet. Yeah. You know, unless we of course like have a falling out or something <laughs> and we have to cancel everything immediately. But at this point, we've been doing this for so long, we would build it up. We wouldn't just cryptically be like, oh, we're not, who knows if we're coming back. We <laughs> that had kind like of a, a, a day of coordinator for the event because like the venue required you to have one. And I don't know, somehow she found out that I had a podcast and she was like, what's the name of it? Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, God, I got to like <laughs> just list off this name that never ends. <laughs> I'm just like, if, if we could go back, I think I would have named it something shorter. <laughs> Well, you didn't name it. Well, that's so. true. Well, okay. I, we. I d actually, to be fair, I did give you credit, and I think I, was like, I think we would have named it something different. I wouldn't. I think our name's great. It is great. It is a mouthful, though. But people, it stands out. Yeah, that's right. It's definitely a brand. Yeah. I don't know if it's one people want to be associated with, but it's a brand. All right. So Speed, 1994, before we do our whole spiel i guess it's been a long time we should remind our listeners to follow us on twitter at greatest pod you can always tweet at the show reach out via the dms that's right folks i apologize if you hear the lawnmower going Just on out the window we've nothing. already delayed the recording by four and a half hours yeah. <laughs> by talking about other bullshit that's we right. can't stop now and wait for this guy to stop with the lawnmower anyway if you'd like a sticker let us know we're getting to a couple of listener requests this month. This is one of them. This one is for Jade, but we have a couple more coming up. If you have a listener request, let us know on Twitter. We'll get to it as soon as we can. And you can find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby. And I think that's everything, right? Yeah, and I, Stickers. Would, I think we haven't done this in a while. But just a reminder to, if you like the show, tell a friend. 
yeah, tell some friends. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. It seems like we've gotten a few new ratings in, a couple reviews recently. It always warms our heart to read those. It's always a lot of fun. Absolutely. It's the little things, folks. <laughs> it's the little things that make you want to keep doing the show. Yeah, it breathes confidence into the host. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so, Speed, this was the first time in a long time for both of us. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this is something that we would have definitely gotten to eventually. It's the perfect continuation of Point Break. Yeah. This is definitely a movie that I feel like captured the 90s. It was one of those ones that was kind of always being talked about or referenced, not unlike A Pretty Woman or something, where it's just something that everyone is aware of. Yeah, it's in a lot of ways literally a game changer for the summer expansion for the movie industry. The studio, we'll sort of cover this as we go, but the studio didn't really realize what they had until they started doing test screenings and people were like obsessing over this movie. And it was originally at one point going to come out in August. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. This is much bigger. Let's move it up. They move it into like early June, something like that, which at that time was not really when they would release like R-rated action movies. It was sort of a weird thing. And now because of that, I mean, there's other movies that shaped that The whole like summer schedule. Yeah, it's not the only one, but it definitely mixed things up in a way that worked perfectly because this movie had a 30 to $37 million budget somewhere in there, and it ends up making $350.4 million. It was a huge yeah. movie, a huge success. It dominated the 90s, and it propelled Sandra Bullock to stardom. This was finally the breakout. She'd been in a, a was, lot of movies this before this. But pre this was, the net? It was. Wow, yeah. okay. I saw that movie The Net. Yeah. With that girl from the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was in The Net and While You Were Sleeping the next year. Gotcha. Which were also big movies. Yep. And so she was off and running. She That's was right. like the next Julia Roberts. But this was it. She'd been in Demolition Man and like a few other things. Oh yeah. And it hadn't quite happened. There were a few misfires, but then Speed, out of nowhere, works perfectly. Her character is just hard not to love her in this movie. Yeah, I think what separates Speed from like a lot of other action wannabe 90s movies that weren't nearly as popular is her character, is the fact that she's the one that ends up driving the bus. That's right. And she's got this very likable personality that grows on you. And by the end of the movie, I think like most people are in love with her. Absolutely. You know, it's just, it works perfectly. She's the right counterbalance to Keanu, who's great in the movie, but he's pretty like one note, like cop hero guy. But then she balances it out. Speed was directed by Jan DeBont. This was his directorial debut. He had done the cinematography on a million films including Die Hard, which we'll circle back to later and talk about. But Jan DeBont has directed, I think, five films. Speed, Twister. Oh. Speed 2. Oh, that he came back for Speed 2. Which We'll talk about Speed 2 at the end. Yeah, okay. The Haunting. All right. The 99 yeah, remake. Yeah, I remember. And Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life, oh, which so the was the sequel, sequel of Lo- <laughs> Tomb Raider. Wow, interesting. I like Twister. 
Was that was Twister what he made after Speed? Yeah, before so, Speed too. Okay, so that was like the big follow up. So it pretty much went downhill. Yeah, yeah. Slowly, like well, it went downhill kind of slowly because I think Twister is decent. Yeah. But everything after that, I think, is pretty bad. I'd say so. I think that's fair. <laughs> Speed two. Wow. Wow. How do I you make for a the movie first time? that makes three hundred million dollars and you don't get more of a career than that? Well, he still was doing a lot of like cinematography as well. Okay. But like, right. I don't know. I mean, the rest of those movies. Yeah. I think Twister was a success. I thought. Yeah, I thought Twister was a hit. Speed two, for as bad as it is, actually, it didn't make money. But it's not as big of a bomb as you would imagine, considering how much more it costs than Speed. I think it costs like $160 yeah. million dollars or something. I think something. Speed 2 came out when I was like 10. I was like already able to be aware that this was something that was terrible. <laughs> like just the idea of it. It's Speed 2, Cruise Control. They're on a boat. I cannot believe Sandra Bullock's in the movie. Yeah, it seemed like a weird choice for her to sign on. Yeah. Speed was written by Graham Yost, who wrote Broken Arrow, Hard Rain, oh, wow. amongst others. So he, th- those were my kind of movies <laughs> when I was like 11. And he also worked on Hey Dude. Okay, how about that? <laughs> I saw that in his little IMDb list. I don't know if he was writing on it or, or what, but I thought that was hilarious. Imagine that writing gig. Speed, shockingly, won two Academy Awards, Best Sound Effects Editing and Best Sound, which I can't believe those are two different categories, but okay. I'll tell you what it didn't win. Best font for the opening credits i don't know if that <laughs> caught your eye but i was yeah, like this stinks those very 90s oh. cheese pretend 3d yeah <laughs> oof we have keanu reeves as the star i guess stephen baldwin was also considered this was a point where people thought maybe he would be like the next guy never yeah. really panned out yeah that's two different directions i mean people goof on keanu reeves but a big star for his career, you would say. Yeah, he always finds the right projects to keep it going. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're breaking any new ground with that. But he has like that late 80s, early 90s run. The last like big one was probably Speed. And then there's like a lot of misfires. Right. And then all of a sudden, The Matrix. It's and it's like, like okay, here we go again. Yep. Then he goes away again, kind of. Yeah, and then John Wick, which is like another 10, 12 years after The Matrix. Yep. And then it's like, okay... Stephen Baldwin, he could be doing like Lifetime movies for all I know. Yeah, it never panned out. I think they wanted Reeves because of his performance in Point Break. It does feel like a continuation of his Point Break character. A little bit, yeah. He's no longer undercover. No. (laughs) (laughs) Point Break is somehow as ridiculous as Speed, which almost seems impossible that a movie could be that ridiculous. It's more believable somehow. Because there's things in speed that are just impossible. Nothing makes sense about the bus staying over 50 miles an hour. There's no no way that it would. What also jumps over a cat? Oh, I know. (laughs) We got Dennis Hopper playing just an insane villain. Great. Yeah. It almost feels like there's shades of his blue velvet Frank a little bit. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's just Dennis Hopper. You don't (laughs) fuck with daddy. Sandra Bullock. They also, at one point, had considered Holly Berry. Oh. I honestly think Holly Berry would have been too famous already by 94. And as soon as you see her, you just know that she's a big deal. Was she getting ready to do the Flintstone movie at this time? I don't know what year that came out. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but that's actually this. unbelievable that you said that because now I'm thinking about her in that movie. Oh, and I'm I know. Sort of like losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that Sandra Bullock, even though she had been in some stuff, was not very well known. So most of the audience when they see her at the beginning of the movie, they don't necessarily think that she's going to be a huge factor. They have no idea. Right, right. Halle Berry, I think by 94, people knew who she was. I think as soon as you see her, you're like, oh, shit. Okay, so she's important. <laughs> so it's, like, different. Yes. During the original script phase, when that part was a little smaller, they thought it was more like a comedic relief-type performance, and so they were looking at Ellen DeGeneres as well. Okay. Which would have been a whole other movie. Yeah, completely. I'd say so. Jeff Daniels in the mix. I know, sort of weird. Right He's... around the time of Dumb and Dumber. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I know, it's not like he's not good in it, but you do think about that when you see him in this era. That's kind of the role that you picture. Right. And you're like, now this guy's like a savvy detective that knows how to defuse bombs. (laughs) This movie exemplifies the beauty of a perfect elevator pitch where you can just explain it in two seconds. Oh, yeah. And you're either in or out. It's a gimmick movie for sure because you're just like, okay, why is this so specific? A young police officer must prevent a bomb exploding aboard a city bus by keeping its speed above 50 miles per hour. There you have it. Originally, they were going to call it minimum speed. Would have been terrible. Yeah, really. You never want to have the word minimum in your title. (laughs) Justin Timberlake shows up. (laughs) Drop the minimum. Just speed. (laughs) And it's part of the diehardization of action movies. This is basically Die Hard on a Bus. They offered it to John McTiernan, who directed Die Hard. He didn't want to do it because he felt like it was basically just like it. That's true. But they passed it along to DeBont, who was the cinematographer on Die Hard. So it was the natural transition. Right. First movie. I do think it does borrow a lot from Die Hard. I'm not going to debate which one's better or not. I like both movies. Uh I think Die Hard's a little slower. But it's more of an originator. It's like inventing a lot of the modern action stuff. For sure. Speed is like relentless. Yeah. It jumps in so fast and it never gives you a chance to take a breath. You get zero backstory on these characters. You have the elevator thing at the beginning and then immediately you're on the bus basically. Right. And then all this crazy shit starts happening and then it just goes. Like it never slows down. It's got a whole different tempo to die hard yeah yeah i would say apparently it was offered to quentin tarantino to direct oh wow now obviously pulp fiction came out in 94 so i don't know if he would have had the time but he says he regrets it he loves speed he thinks like it would have been great to direct it yeah yeah he's never directed someone else's script before so i don't know his whole career would be different had he done this because then he's in that world of like director for hire rather than being an auteur who writes his own scripts. Right, right. It just would have led to a whole different path, I think. It would have been fun to see, though. Just to go back in history, like to see what he would have done with it. He would have probably done a pass on the script and there'd be like a lot more fuck yeah, thrown into I think every so. line. Right. <laughs> a lot more like dialogue about pop culture while on the bus. <laughs> Samuel Jackson, isn't it? Yeah. All right, without further ado, let's get into Speed itself. As Matt mentioned, the movie opens with these weird 3DS computer opening credits. Definitely reminiscent of a lot of things in the 90s. Don't age particularly well. Mm -hmm. 
But there's some nostalgia there. Yeah. Because that's just how shitty everything looked. (laughs) Yeah. At the time, it didn't look shitty. People were like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. They made those with computers. Whoa. (laughs) We start in a high-rise office building in Los Angeles. This is actually like a weird little detour in this movie. I guess you wouldn't call it a detour since it's the opening, but it's different from what you would expect. Right. Because it actually... It takes up a decent chunk of time. Absolutely. It's longer than you'd expect because you kind of just picture like most of the movie being the bus. And I think the original script, it was bus only. And they decided to like flesh the story out more and have more to it. And I guess they feel like this kind of builds the dynamic a little bit more. It gives you a little bit more of a versus. Our Keanu Reeves versus Dennis Hopper. Yeah, there's like a history. Yeah. Yeah. We have a completely unhinged... Dennis Hopper, he's playing a guy named Howard Payne, although a big plot point in the movie is that our heroes, Jack Traven, played by Keanu, and Harry Temple, played by Jeff Daniels, they don't actually know who he is. They don't know his name is Howard Payne, but I feel like for our purposes, we can refer to him right away. He has these wildly elaborate ransom plans. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) They seem way too complicated. It is weird how he's always a step ahead, but he can never figure out how to actually get the money in any situation. He comes close yeah. at the end, but yeah. It seems like there's but always too one, many steps. I mean, once we get there, I'm like, I cannot believe he didn't have any foresight to think that this was going to be a move that was pulled. He wants $3 million. He has hijacked this elevator, rigged it to blow with a bomb. It's filled with people. LAPD comes in. That's our officers, Jack Trave and Harry Temple, amongst well, first, others. When they come on the scene... They come flying over the hill yeah. like in the car. <laughs> yeah, it's like a 70s detective TV yeah. show, just <laughs> flying over the hills, rough landing. Right. I love that Paul Walker's dad from Varsity Blues is just like one of the oh, cops. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's that dude that's like, y'all remember William Tail? Right, or, right. You know, when they do the football <laughs> <Yes>. thing. <laughs> so we have this elevator filled with people, a bomb attached to it, Jack has a gut feeling as they're taking a look at it. He's going to blow it anyway. So the people in the elevator are oblivious to the bomb. They think they're just stuck in an elevator. Mm -hmm. Jack and Harry lead a daring rescue as the elevator slowly drops after Howard Payne panics and detonates one of the bombs, sending it into a free fall. But they've already attached it to this crane on the roof of the building. I, I didn't get this. What's Keanu Reeves' character name? Jack, right? Yeah. Jack <laughs> Good start. A- acts like the- he knows this is going to be on the roof. He's like, I got an idea. <laughs> like, wh- why would that crane be there? I don't know, but maybe they're there on some buildings. I don't know. Yeah, Weren't there be. things like that on the roof in Die Hard, too? Sure. Skyscrapers are always under construction. Yeah, well, isn't it a way to, like, pull up things? Yeah, that might be. I don't know. Maybe they're always there. Who knows? Outside my area. We of don't know anything about obviously. anything. Yeah. All right? <laughs> One of the bombs detonates on the elevator, sending it down. The people are freaking out inside because they thought that they were just stuck in an elevator. They didn't know there was a bomb situation. All of a sudden, they're in a free fall. Mm-hmm. But the crane stops it from going. They do this rescue where they're pulling people out like midway between floors. I don't know. This movie's rated R. I feel like the last person out should have been cut in half or it, something. It, it felt like it was heading that way. Yeah, that's the whole drama of yeah. the scene. But yeah, they get everyone out successfully. Although it kind of w- it would have been like a little Final Destination, that type of death. Because <laughs> yeah. you've got like the crane falling in, in stages. Well, no, what would have happened is 
there actually would have been like a scorpion in the elevator controls that would, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They always do the fake out where you oh, think I it's going to be all these other things and right. then some stupid thing happens. <laughs> so they get the people out. Payne's plot is unsuccessful, but Jack and Harry figure out that the bomber must be in the building. They deduce that he is hiding in a freight elevator, so they track Payne down. And then this is the first of our pop quiz hot shot oh yeah th- which is like a recurring phrase i saw something that like hopper like came up with this but he's not the first one to say it that's right so i don't know Terry. and then it's repeated a lot yeah. throughout. <laughs> so i don't know where that comes from that he came up with it but i don't know it is pretty iconic having him say it hopper yeah. that's like very memorable right, that's right. one of the more memorable bits of dialogue in the movie but is he calling it back to because he was over overhearing. That's right. He could hear. Yeah, he was spying on yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry saying it to Jack earlier when he was like running through That's some right. hostage situation, Shoot which I hostage. found to be kind of annoying. Yeah, it's like, dude, we're in the middle of a real situation. I know. Quit throwing me these hypotheticals, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, I'm not ready to be tested right now. Briggs, where's Jack and Harry? Lieutenant, we've got movement on the freight elevator. It's on three. Let's move. In the line. This day has been real disappointing, I don't mind saying. Why, because you didn't get to kill everyone? There will come a time, boy, when you'll wish you never met me. Mister, I'm already there. If you see, I'm in charge here. I drop this stick, huh? And they pick your friend up with a sponge. Are you ready to die, friend? Fuck you. Oh! In 200 years, we've come for my regret, but I have one life to give for my country to fuck you. Go ahead and drop the stick. Do it. Shut up, Harry. Oh, we got all the balls in the world right here, man. Get it up. You got nowhere to go. Shoot the hostage. <laughs> Say goodbye, Harry. Jack and Harry thwart the attempt to hold an elevator full of people for a $3 million ransom by the extortionist bomber, Howard Payne. As the two of them eventually corner Payne in this freight elevator, Harry is taken hostage when he falls through the top of the elevator. Jack intentionally shoots Harry in the leg, forcing Howard to ditch him and try to split. This is what that pop quiz hotshot was alluding to before. When they do this... Very unnecessary foreshadowing of I know describing a scenario and then having the scenario play out, acting it out. <laughs> Shoot the hostage. Payne ducks into the parking garage, activates a bomb, and seemingly dies in the process. I Doesn't really it, add up because I, exactly. they never get any confirmation that he was dead. I found it odd that they were like thinking that he blew himself up. Well, it is unclear how he escapes. Yeah. But That's true. you would need that confirmation. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> I'm thinking the bomb is a diversion. Well, yeah, because that is his plan at the end of the movie, yeah. too, is to use the bomb as a diversion. 
But either way, Harry's been uh, wounded in the field. Jack and Harry receive praise and medals with Harry being promoted to detective. Payne, as we immediately find out, is actually still alive as he watches the proceedings on TV. Kind of unaware that they televise stuff like this. I mean, I guess (laughs) if they're heroes of the city, but what is this, the fucking Batman Uh, cartoon? It can only be on local (laughs) news. It's the end of Star Wars 1, where they're like just awarding people medals. I mean, are they like cutting away from daily soaps to like show this footage? <laughs> it seems like there wouldn't be that much demand. But we've established a feud. And like I said, I mean, this portion of the film takes up about 25, 30 minutes to set up a scenario where we have this mad bomber on the loose. Jack and Harry have history with him now. At this point, we don't really know Payne's motivations, but whatever they are, you can add to it this personal vendetta. Right. He feels like he should have been given this $3 million, and these two fucked it up for him. So there you go. That's all the setup you need. And there's no time wasted, because the very next morning, Jack witnesses a mass transit bus explode. Yeah, and it just so happens to be a bus driver that was a friend of his. They were on a first-name basis anyway. Yeah, that was a bit much for yeah, me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Out of all of the unbelievable things right. in this movie, I, those are the kind of things I get annoyed with. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's okay. calling him Jack, not like officer or anything. <laughs> yeah, he's got a history with this guy. He watches him get blown up. And then a payphone starts ringing nearby. And so Jack, of course, runs across the street to answer it. <laughs> Much to Jack's surprise, it's Howard Payne. Yeah. He explains that a similar bomb is rigged on another bus, which will activate once it reaches 50 miles per hour, and then detonate if it drops below 50. Yeah. Payne also demands $3.7 million, which is like a very specific number, and then threatens to detonate the bus if Jack tries to offload any passengers. So that's just, it. Yeah. That's your setup. And he does... At the end, tell him which bus and where it is. That's right. Because he wants him to know. He wants him to play the game. Yeah, well, otherwise he won't get the money. Right. You just killed a bunch of people. But, but I mean, for Howard's plan, it just feels like this could go wrong very easily. Yeah. Like, th- that they could fuck this up so early on and just blow up the bus. And I guess he doesn't care about the people, but he went through a lot to set this up. Yeah, it seems very elaborate. There's multiple parts of this plan that even go to his house and everything. So it just feels like... This specificity around the 50 mile an hour thing could really screw things up. And I was thinking to myself, a lot of times I drive past those random speed limit things that tell you how fast you're going. Right. I got to tell you, a lot of times my speedometer is like two miles per hour off. Or maybe their thing's off. Yeah, yeah. That's true. (laughs) But I mean, like, what if there was a disconnect between the speedometer and how fast it's actually going? Yeah, especially since we find out in the movie that it's specifically not connected to the speedometer. Yeah. It's actually connected to the axle. That's right. So it it would be determining like a real 50 miles per hour versus a speedometer 50 miles per hour. So you're right. Know. Feels like you're playing with fire there. Yeah, well, there's also a lot of traffic in L.A. There's exactly, just yeah. no way that this could happen. Right. Because even if you... End of n- podcast. Are aware- there's just no way that this could happen. If you're aware... Of the situation, everything, and are trying to make this happen. But yeah, to your point, like maybe you don't slam on the brakes, but you just ram into traffic in front of you, and it just slows you down. Yeah, which does really only happen like once. Yeah. And it happens very early on. And then they come up with ways to work around it. Like they go on to like an unopened freeway, and then uh-huh. they're like on the airport runway and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. 
the solutions they write in are pretty good, but getting to that, very questionable. Yeah, there's definitely some points in the journey where they would go under 50. There's right. just no way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we see Annie, played by Sandra Bullock, running to catch the bus. It's our bus. It's the bus. It's 2525. That's right. While Jack races through freeway traffic to find it, he's trying to track it down. Yeah, another thing that could go wrong is... I guess you could say that Payne had like planned out where the bus was going to be, so he assumes it's not going to go over 50 until Jack's going to get there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. What if the bus driver speeds? It's like a 35-mile-an-hour, and he, you know, he kind of just drifts over 50 for a second, activates it, boom, as it goes back under before Jack is even close to I the know. bus. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, well, that screwed everything up. Yeah. Amongst the people on the bus, other passengers, we're not going to like spend a ton of time getting to know them all. You don't know most of their names. It doesn't really matter. One guy may have committed like a shady crime before this, but that's like its own movie. But we have Cameron. That's right. Alan Ruck from Ferris Bueller. I'm just going to call him Cameron. Say, I was calling him Cameron while I was watching this with Lindsay. I think his character's name is Stevens, but it doesn't matter. He's just Cameron. He does seem like a Cameron type, too. No, he's like <laughs> just this annoying dude. Cameron would never even be able to get onto the bus, That's let alone true. talk to Sandra Bullock. <laughs> the gum bit that Sandra Bullock does is something she came up with. It's so fucking perfect, too. Oh, yeah. Rather than just have her be like, this guy's annoying and she's going to get up and walk away from him and sit on the other side of the bus, having her take out her own gum and then act like that gum was on her seat and then be like, I got to move seats because of this gum. And then she <laughs> holds it in his face. It's like, gum. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> Sandra Bullock is just so fun in this movie. Oh, she's a dream. Gum. Yes. <laughs> like he's some idiot. Right. <laughs> Her character is so great because she's always sort of frazzled, but always sort of confident at the same time. Yeah. Great combo. She does pull like a bitch move though, where she runs down the bus and expects him to pull over. Oh yeah. And then later, when Jack's trying to get on the bus, she literally is yelling, "Don't let him on!" Yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Do for me, but not for thee. That's right. right. Yeah. I don't know if that's well. She's special. in a hurry. She's always in a hurry. It's why she doesn't have a license. Now we do see the dude from Showgirls here. Where Keanu hijacks his car, the guy that's like, everybody got right. AIDS and shit oh, yeah, <laughs> from yeah, Showgirls. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. That's the guy who Keanu hops in his car that's to right. like catch up to the bus. This guy, I don't know his name. I'm sorry I didn't write it down. But he appears in Speed 2 at the wow. end of the movie. And I'm like, is, is he supposed to? I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. But it is funny that yeah, it's yeah. him. Maybe it is. Yep. He doesn't have a character name in either movie. They have sort of a, a racial profiling joke here, which I thought oh, was yeah. kind of, for like the mid-90s, because like, you know, a cop trying to use the car or whatever, he's like, it's not stolen. Yeah, and Jack's like, it is now. Yeah. Oh, by the way, some of the jokes in this movie is just absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite nail the best one-liners. Right, a right. lot of the funniest stuff is either unintentional or just because of the absurdity of the movie. But it's so much fun that even though I know basically how it's going to play out because it had been so long since I watched it, I was caught up in the excitement of what was happening. Oh, yeah. Man, this is relentless. One thing and then the next thing, and now he's going under the butt. You know, it's like one thing after another. 
Already, fire chief said there's nothing left. Temple, we just got a ransom demand from your dead terrorist. Says he's rigged the city bus. Where's Jack? Where do you think? I gotta get on that bus. You gotta get him. Yeah, yeah, you get on the bus. Drive straight. Stay in this lane. What's the road? Wait a minute. What are you doing? Are you insured? Yeah. Why? Sir, I need to take your phone. Take the phone. Take the wheel. What? Oh, oh shit. Oh shit. So as Jack is driving along next to the bus in this guy's car, this convertible, he's trying to like relay messages to the bus driver. He eventually gets the bus driver to open the bus door. He's telling him he has to keep going. They're going fast on this stretch of highway in Los Angeles, California. And you're like, is there any stretch this free of traffic? I, I can't imagine. The weird thing about this movie, and I learned this from the rewatchables, I want to give credit. I, oh, good. I think this happened. This movie was like released like a week before the O.J. Simpson chase. Oh wow! Or something like that. It was like the same time. That's it wild. was like June of '94. <laughs> Were L.A. highways like having a moment? I don't <laughs> in know. '94. But yeah, to your point. I mean, this is like rush hour traffic time, right? I mean, it's like the morning. The rush morning rush. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's hard to say like what day of the week or right. True. It's a little hard to figure out. It's 8 a.m., though, when he first yeah. looks at his watch, and he's got three hours, basically, to get this money to Payne. Which he brings up to Payne, and I think it's like a pretty good point. That is a very short time frame to get this amount of cash like ready. Three hours? I don't know. They I know have... it's the government, but it's like, come on. But maybe they have money set aside for and this And I guess shit. like Howard would know when we find out like what his history is. Jack boards the moving bus, but the bomb is already armed because the bus is traveling over 50 miles per hour. He explains the situation to Sam, the bus driver. However, a criminal on board, assuming Jack is there for him, ends up wildly discharging his gun that he pulls, wounding Sam with a stray bullet. 
all of this for nothing. What exactly did this guy do? I don't know. He was obviously very guilty conscience. Yeah, (laughs) he's willing to kill. Oh, they found me. To not go to jail. Yeah. And it is funny that Jack is just like, whatever it is, I don't care. I'm not here for you. Yeah. Which is the right stuff to say, but it's almost like Although, what if he did something horrific? Yeah, he's like... I mean, he doesn't have the authority to be like, you're never going to be charged for this. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting immunity. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy like raped and murdered like 20 women. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> for, he's like the Night Stalker. Yeah, they never circle back to it. Yeah, I know. You never figure out what the story was with this dude. I wish you, you did, though, because I am curious. I'd like to know the severity of the crime he committed, that's for sure. Annie runs up and grabs the wheel, taking over for Sam. She tries to slow down for help. So Jack is forced to reveal the bomb to all of the passengers on board, shocking and horrifying everyone. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) There are times where you can empathize with the passengers, especially when they do some of the crazy shit coming up, where it seems so unlikely that you're going to get out of this alive, that you'd have to be almost resigned to your own death. Mm -hmm. I guess this is what's happening. I'm dead now. Yeah. There's no other solution here. I'm surprised like more people didn't try to make a play for like, I'm, I'm just going to just open the door. I'm going to try to jump off. They try to establish if you do that, everyone will be dead and yeah. you will be dead because you're not going to survive that likely. Yeah. I 50, don't know. 50 is pretty fast. It is. Yeah. On and it's a pavement, lot of asphalt out yeah. there. Yeah. You would just like hit the yeah. barrier in the middle of the way. Just oh, explode. <laughs> Jack examines the bomb underneath the bus through an access panel on the floor of the bus and calls Harry, who begins working to identify the bomber. All right, Harry, we're in. Passenger relay. Sir, take this. I want you to tell him what I see. Okay. We got a wad. Pretty big. There's a pretty big wad. Brass fittings? Brass fittings. I think I can reach the circuit wire. He can reach the circuit wire. No, 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 don't, don't, don't. That's a, that's a decoy, classic. That's your classic decoy. What else? What else? Hold on. Hold on. Fuck me. Oh, darn. Now, I don't want to get into the weeds with all like police procedure and how they would handle a situation like this i will say though as a viewer it doesn't make sense to me why they care so much who the bomber is i know they think they're gonna find him at his house i get that but later in the movie Uh and this is very specific for the moment coming up later not necessarily now i get now trying to maybe find the house or whatever although what's gonna happen you kill him, you arrest him. Is that going to deactivate the bomb? Well, they act so. like that even up to the point where they think they have him. Right. Like Jack is like, tell me something good because their situation is so dire at that point. As if getting him was going to save it or right. change anything. Yeah. But later in the movie, they do abandon another plan uh-huh. because they think it's whenever Harry is trying to talk jack through deactivating the bomb that's right and then he's like oh we found him yeah yeah, yeah. They, they just move on it's like okay well i wouldn't abandon this other plan right what's finding him gonna do i know all right whatever we're going we're losing it but i, just I know think i know they fixate on that a lot and it's a huge plot point because of what ends up happening with harry but yeah. 
I never quite understood the logic that they abandoned everything else as if finding him was just going to magically turn the bomb off. Mm-hmm. He's a madman. I know. <laughs> I don't think threatening him with a gun is just going to make the bomb turn off. It's. I don't think it's going to happen. That's right. I feel like you still need to do what you're going to do. And I guess what we find out is there's actually multiple bombs on the bus. I guess you could say that if you snuck up on him and he, he didn't see you coming and you got to him, you could prevent him from detonating it when passengers are unloaded off of the bus. That's right. But that's a lot of ifs, though, because if he sees you coming and he knows you're there, he might just detonate it. If the threat was when passengers get off the bus, he'll detonate it. It's hard to imagine them successfully sneaking up, saving on <laughs> the day by finding him. Yeah, that's. I think that's just the point we're trying to make. It yeah. seems like they shouldn't abandon... The idea of defusing the bomb. That's right. If they can. They hit some traffic. They try to go around it. They're like going up on the curb. They're hitting a ton of cars. Frankly, I was thinking if I was the one driving this bus under this kind of pressure, it would have exploded already. I wouldn't have been able to like navigate around these cars at over 50. Same. Then, if I'm not the person driving this bus, the Uh people that we are are just those people sitting in their cars on the highway just getting smashed by this bus. <laughs> yeah. You never hear back from the city. Your insurance is like, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, if I was on the bus and they were like, okay, the driver's been shot. We need someone to drive. And I, I'm like, I step forward. I'm like, I'll drive. Jack would be like, is there anyone else? <laughs> You remember I had my car oh, I randomly know. damaged, oh, and no, no one was ever held accountable, That's even right. though we yeah. knew the truck that did it. It was a whole thing with some trucking company. Just destroyed your car, basically. Yeah, and I was essentially on the hook for it. There yeah. was no restitution. You even that, had witnesses come forward. Yeah, I feel like if you get hit by a, a madman's hijacked bus with a bomb on it, you're probably just going to end up paying for it. The, the dad from Shameless was one of your witnesses. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the dad from Shane. <laughs> you mean Bill Macy. That's right. <laughs> so they're crashing into a bunch of cars, swerving around, going through lights. They're basically off the freeway and into the city. It's relentlessly exciting, no matter how far-fetched it gets. Although, of course, that's how it worked throughout the entire movie. And one of the big things leading up to the movie, its release, and the studio figuring out what it had are these important test screenings. And we'll circle back to some more yeah. test screening stories at the end. I think, But I just wanted to say that the reason why the studio got excited and moved it up and all of a sudden they were like, this is going to be something, is they were watching people in the test screenings. And even when they were going to the bathroom, they were walking backwards oh, because wow. they didn't want to take their eyes off oh, of the screen. Awesome. People were like so... Yeah engaged in this and they're like i think we have something here (laughs) they do a pretty good time with just the time management in general in terms of how long you spend in whatever mini adventure you're on during this whole movie my one exception to that kind of being the end end i think when you have one more journey (laughs) that we have to go on with the subway train i think that one's like a bit too much but beyond that i think you spend the right amount of time in each segment because you yeah. could definitely get bored of this. Yeah, they build it up. They got different things. It's like, okay, first there's the traffic. Then there's the gap coming up in the freeway. Then there's like, can he, she make the right turn? There's the cans incident coming up in a minute. Oh, yeah, there's like all these right. little yeah. like pieces that 
punctuate it rather than just having it driving. Yeah. Even though like we're goofing on it because obviously we know there'd be way more traffic. You can't just keep having that. It's right, like you right. shake it up with different obstacles. Sandra Bullock, queen of the mid-90s. As mentioned, this was her breakout. She goes on to have a pretty cool career. She's sort of like Keanu where she'll disappear from your That's mind right, for a yeah. while and then come back with something like Gravity was, was probably the say, last time. When she came back with Gravity, she had been out of mind for a while for me. She hasn't really done much since she did Bird Box and Ocean's 8 in the right. same year. I never saw Bird Box. Me I, neither. I hated Ocean's 8. But Bird Box did move the needle when it came out. It definitely drove a lot of conversation. Yeah, it was a big Netflix thing. She's got like seven things in the pipeline. So oh. it's not like she's done, yeah, yeah. but she hasn't done anything in a while. I think she's got a movie coming out later this year with a bunch of people in it. Yeah, Ocean's 8 was terrible. <laughs> yeah, there's just no. Yeah, come on. There's nothing else you can say about that. But yeah, she's also very great at the rom-com. She had like that fun one with Ryan Reynolds, which I thought was pretty cool. And oh, that's right. Yeah. Where she's like his, his the boss, boss and, and they go to that place yeah. in Canada or something. I actually need to rewatch And that. they like both run into each other completely nude. Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> Accidentally running into each other completely naked. Both nude. Yeah. yeah that seemed like something out of 80s movies. <laughs> They're like, we got to bring this back. Folks, I mean, I may be exposing a little bit too much of my personal life, but <laughs> while you were sleeping, I fucking loved that movie when I was a kid. No, I don't know why. That's the right amount of personal details. I don't really feel like I'm a big rom-com guy either. I like them, and some I don't like, yeah. but I just love that movie. I've probably seen While You Were Sleeping like 10 times. Oh, wow. I enjoyed it as well. I haven't seen it since back around that era, but I did like it. Yeah, it's been a while, but I did enjoy it. So, yeah, they hit this baby carriage, (laughs) which is, like, super dark, and she's, like, crying and freaking out, and then you're like, oh, wait, there's cans, because it's, like, a homeless woman, which is still pretty sad in a way. Really? I know. They ruined that homeless lady's day. (laughs) Jack is like, cans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just cans. Some of his dialogue delivery, I know. It's weird, because sometimes he delivers lines, and it seems like... The right amount of charisma and normal, and then there's the other times where he does the Keanu thing, and you're like, what is this? <laughs> like, why? He's always forever playing the character from Point Break. That's right, yeah. Even in Dracula, he was still playing that <laughs> character. Yeah. Oh, But how crazy would it have been if there was a baby in it? I don't think this movie would be that popular. No. Everyone on the bus is just, like, bummed after that. Yeah, I don't think... Well, everyone in the theater would be bummed. I know. I don't think if they cut someone in half in the elevator, this movie would be as popular either. That's right. Yeah, this movie, some people die and stuff. It's not too bloody or violent or anything. I, I think... You can't go too far with that if yeah. you want the movie to be mainstream. The, the tone of the rest of the movie, you actually kind of expect Harry to show up at the end. You know what I mean? With like a little bit of just like black on his face or <laughs> like whatever. He's from like fucking the Bugs Bunny. Yeah, or that's something. right. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of like the tone of it. 
After a harrowing adventure through city traffic, the police are able to clear a route for the bus onto the unopened 105 freeway. They all have to get on one side of the bus so that the bus doesn't tip when they're making like this 90 degree turn to get onto this thing. This turn is insane. (laughs) There's no other way. Yeah. But now they're cruising along. It's traffic free for now. Everything is calm. It's just a matter of not running out of gas as long as they're driving here and figuring out a way to either get the people off the bus or get this maniac the money. Then the lieutenant back, he comes up with this plan to do a flatbed trailer next to it, but the other cops don't know what Jack knows, and Jack warns them about what Payne instructed, which is that no one can get off the bus. So they're not going to be able to do a rescue side by side. Witnessing the events on TV... Payne calls Jack because oh, yeah, he has which, his cell phone number, I guess. No, no. Jack took the phone from the dude from Showgirls whose car it was so he could communicate with the cops. And then the cops said, Payne wants to talk to you. And he says, give him the number. That's, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So right, Howard right. then calls the cell I phone. I forgot where the cell phone even came yeah, from. Yeah, because it's such a small detail. Yeah, plus in 94, it's weird that he even has one. Yeah, yeah. It would be more likely that that guy would have a car phone. Right. But like an actual mobile phone is is interesting. But you need it for the story. I mean, yes. it's not going to work. Payne calls Jack to reiterate what he told him earlier. However, Jack manages to convince him to allow the injured Sam to be offloaded for medical attention as a show of goodwill. Didn't Pass- really seem like he would be up for negotiating this, but he was fine with it. He is insane, and he doesn't care about human life, but he wants that money. Right. And he does seem to be able to be convinced if you make a case of why this would get him the money. That's true. Another passenger, Helen, freaks out and tries to get off onto the flatbed, too. This is the woman from Donnie Darko, who sometimes doubts your commitment to sparkle motion. Oh, yeah. I think she was also in a lot of other things, notably a woman that... Jeff Bridges hooks up with in Crazy Heart, I think. At the oh, wow. Of the okay. <laughs> She's just a character yeah, actor. Yeah. She's been around forever. She tries to get off the bus despite the repeated warnings not to. And so Payne detonates a smaller bomb underneath the front bus stairs, killing her as she flies out onto the highway. They say she's the only one that dies, but it looks like a cop or two comes off the flatbed at this point, too. Like it blows up, and I thought you see like one or two of the cops like fall off. I don't remember that, but maybe. Hmm. That's possible. Well, when they report on the news, they say that there's only two people that have died that day, and it's her and the first bus driver. Oh, yeah, 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 the The first bus driver. driver. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Sam dies, but I was thinking about that dude that Payne kills at the beginning of the movie. That's right. When he's like pretending to be a maintenance guy, and how they basically just act like that never happens, because the cops, when they're doing that like ceremony for Harry and Jack, they're like, thankfully, the only life this madman took (laughs) and then he does say with his bomb yes was his own but it is funny that they're acting like he didn't get to kill anyone you're just like the family of that guy who gets killed not even getting a mention (laughs) no one found his body he's just rotting back there behind the elevators (laughs) oh it's sad Mm -hmm. so the death of helen sombers up the mood on the bus real quick i think for any of them who were maybe doubting the severity of the situation, it's coming home to them. Although, at this point, they were probably all on board for believing in it because there's all these cops involved. It doesn't seem like Jack is just making this up anymore. Right. Which, at the beginning, you could think that. <laughs> like, who sure. is this guy? Sure. 
tensions flare on the bus. Annie's crying and driving at the same time. A lot of emotions going on. But the big revelation is that the freeway they're driving on isn't finished. Ha. There is a section missing, and it's 50 feet long. No one was able to alert the police to this. Yeah, I love how they're acting like it's some big mystery that this happened. They're like, well, the maps. I know. First of all, why are there maps made with it being finished before it's finished? That doesn't right. make sense to I know. me. But also, how do they not they, know? They had to get some certain permission, or like at least they had to alert somebody that they're going to go on this unfinished freeway. Plus, there's helicopters. It's like, don't they yeah. see that it's going to happen? Well, they say that the choppers are who spotted it, but they were only looking like a few miles ahead. <laughs> all right, whatever. Yeah, I know. They do address it. When Jack learns of this information, he persuades Annie to accelerate the bus to maximum speed so they can jump the gap. Yeah. And somehow this actually works. Right. It would later inspire the scene from Road Trip when they jump that little <laughs> bridge. This is nuts, though. And they're like, it's 50 feet. Now, I'm thinking to myself, if I heard like 10 feet, maybe we could make it. 50 no, feet? you wouldn't. You wouldn't even make it 10. <laughs> yeah. Not in a bus. It's not going to go up. I know. It's only going to go down. <laughs> I Well, let's just say 50 feet, I would be like, there is no chance in hell. <laughs> it does look as if there's an invisible ramp because the bus starts going upwards, even though it would not go upwards. Right. It, it almost like takes off as a, <laughs> like a plane. Itself, yeah. <laughs> and it's never not funny to watch. It's completely incredible to see defies physics they actually had to shoot it twice because apparently the first time it was too smooth of a landing they wanted to look a little bumpier and oh wow i don't even really know how they did it i guess there was like a ramp somewhere but wouldn't the bus like break apart i have no idea i don't know this seems crazy i'd love to see the well it wasn't really going 50 feet obviously right yeah i don't know how they did this exactly because that's the cool shit about Speed 1 and 2. I'll even say Speed 2 because it had the most expensive stunt of all time in it. Okay. At least up until that point. Yeah. Practical effects. Yeah, definitely. Make these movies look even crazier because Absolutely. you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> There's no CGI. You're just like, I don't even understand this, especially Speed 2. Right. Where the boat crashes into the island at yeah. the end. You're like, what is going on? And that was like the most expensive thing ever filmed. Well, it I think. crashes into like that oil tanker or whatever, like drags. Well, yeah, it goes along the side, but when yeah. it goes into the island, that's like the big. Yeah, it's like what is even going on here? <laughs> People are like, "Wow, these guys know way more about speed too than I." Was well, expecting. I just watched it. Oh, you did? Okay, for the first time. Oh, okay, yeah. That was part of my preparation for speed was okay, to yeah. check out some other Devon movies. I love it. I love your commitment. I rewatched Twister for the first time since the theater. Wow. I saw that in the theater with my dad. That's how long ago yeah. that was. And I still kind of enjoyed it. I don't think it's like a great movie. Yeah. I think it's, it's a little fucked up. It seems better <laughs> than it is, I think. You can kind of get yourself worked up that Twister's like pretty cool, and then it's just like, eh. It doesn't look great anymore. Uh-huh. The effects of the tornadoes look pretty bad. Yes. I, they looked cool back then. Absolutely. But now, no. It came know. out the same summer as Independence Day, so it was pretty yeah. overshadowed. Twister was a big VHS watch for me. I think I had the VHS yeah. too, yeah. And it definitely did scare me back then. I love Jamie Gertz. I think we've covered that on the pod plenty. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> Have you mentioned that before? The way they treat her in that movie is fucked up. It is, yeah, it's that's weird horrible. that you're supposed to care more about Paxton and Helen Hunt. 
They don't even do you the favor of making Jamie Gertz's character a bitch. I know. In fact, they make her completely normal. In right. fact, that's how normal people would, would react to this situation. And you're supposed to, like, goof on her. Like, oh, she's scared of the tornadoes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll save it. Yeah, someday. <laughs> Episode 6,000 of Greatest Moments will finally get to Twister. Twister. <laughs> but I couldn't bring myself to rewatch The Haunting or to watch the sequel to fucking Laura Croft. Oh, God. I remember The Haunting. Another decapitation in that, I think. Owen Wilson. Yeah, that's a remake, obviously, of like the classic yeah. stuff. But it's a pretty mediocre movie. It's yeah. not as bad as Speed 2, but... Right. I have to imagine that the sequel to Tomb Raider is pretty bad. I would think. But I, I never I saw, saw either of them. I saw the first one. I did not see the sequel cradle of life right Oof. folks so once they clear this jump there's a lot of celebrations on the bus and i just have to point out annie driving the bus makes the movie fantastic absolutely it's so much better to have a regular citizen a woman someone who's got like a great personality has some funny lines yep like when she's talking to jack about what's gonna happen jack's like if he gets his money, he wins. Yeah, yeah. If the bus explodes, he wins. And she says, well, what happens if you win? And he says, well, we'll do it again tomorrow. And she's like, well, I'm not free to drive tomorrow. That's I right. mean, it's like yeah. a great line. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, I love it when when she first is coming up to drive. I think it's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie, even though it's so stupid. But I just think it's great. Well, what'd you lose your license for? Speeding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dynamite. Jack directs Annie to drive to the Los Angeles International Airport to use their unobstructed runways. Payne calls again and lets Jack get off the bus so that Jack can help facilitate him getting the ransom money. But instead, Jack partakes in a last-ditch effort to defuse the bomb, going under the bus on a towed sled. This seems like a wild move for something that he's not really sure he's going to be able to accomplish anything. Well, they're running out of options. That's true. It's just the risk-reward on this one. It feels like a high-risk situation. Harry's trying to talk Jack through it over the police radio. However, while that's happening, Harry and some other cops finally identify the bomber as Howard Payne. He formerly worked as an officer in the Atlanta Police Department bomb squad. Injured essentially fired, not exactly, but pretty much put out the pasture, and then permanently disgruntled as a result. That's right. They quickly get a current address for him. Now, in a pre-internet age, I found this a little hard to believe. Why not just make it a guy from the next department over? I mean, I get that you don't want to do the same department, because then people would remember him. Right. But Atlanta, how are they getting a picture... like? This is before the internet. I know. They're able to scan every record of every department across the entire country. It does seem crazy, but I do feel like it's not out of line with what we saw in other older movies. Because I've been puzzled by this before, that the police database would be like this good. I don't know. It seems like a needle in a haystack to yeah, find yeah. who this person is. At least give us like a few failed attempts. Because once Harry figures out that it's a former cop and not a former criminal. That's right. Give us like a few, no, that's not him. Because Harry's seen him, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So give a few pictures to be like, no, 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 not him, not him. Right, And then right. like, oh, this dude, yeah. 
Instead, it's just like the first guy, boom, we found him. (laughs) So Jack's going to ditch the bomb defuse plan for the moment while he's under the bus, but everything goes to shit. And this is what I was alluding to earlier. Right, right. Just fucking stick with this plan. Yeah. I don't think finding pain is going to change anything, but okay. Yeah. They do a little bit of a Silence of the Lambs kind of fake out here with the house. Yeah. The tow line breaks. Jack's clinging to the bottom of the bus, and then he inadvertently punctures the fuel tank. Ugh. So now they're hemorrhaging gas. Yeah. Very quickly. Of unbelievable action set pieces in this movie, him being able to propel himself onto the bottom part of the bus and hang on by stabbing the gas tank. <laughs> Just <laughs> With a screwdriver. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think at this point you're either in or you're out. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> this is superhuman at this point, though. The passengers manage to open the access panel on the bus floor and pull Jack back onto the bus. Harry leads a SWAT team to Payne's home, but having anticipated the arrival, Payne had rigged the house to explode, killing Harry and most of the team. So here's some thoughts I had. Number one, pretty cool house. I thought so, too. I I was going to say, this guy doesn't seem like he needs that much money. It gave me Once Upon a Time in Hollywood vibes, specifically the Sharon Tate house. Right. Didn't it? It looked very familiar. Bit. Yeah, yeah. It maybe was Rick's house. It was one of those houses. I mean, it probably wasn't, but right, it looked right. very similar. <laughs> yeah. Same kind of design, probably right. the same architect, LA. That's Obviously the, thing. the real Tate house is gone, but that house from the movie. Yeah. Probably the same architect as the house from Speed. Right. Wherever he is, I don't know, Hollywood Hills or San Monica or wherever he is, it seems like he's got a nice house in a nice neighborhood. What what gives? Well why does this guy need the three mil? Well, because his hand is fucked up from That's true. whatever happened. He's, he needs what's due to him. <laughs> yeah. He's shorted on his pension. It's not like we get a ton of backstory on Payne or anyone. Yeah. So you just sort of have to assume he needs the money. <laughs> Turns out uh, he's not too attached to this house, though. Payne calls Jack and is the one to uh, tell him about yeah. Harry. He answers it thinking it's Harry. Yeah. Give me good news. Your friend nope. didn't make it. So Payne set up this whole thing where he's got this drop location, which is essentially just a garbage can. At first, you're like, really? Like, this is your plan? Obviously, he's got a little extra that we don't know about at first. But you're thinking, like, okay, you're just going to take the cop's word for it that they're not watching that can anymore, and then you're just going to stroll out there like, do-do-do-do-do, and then just, like, grab the money, and, like, I'm home free. Right. And I guess... It's explained that he does have another part of the plan. But the fact that he's like, I'm going to wait for all your friends to leave, and then I'll get the money. As if that would ever work. Yeah. But they that- should just be like, look, dude, let the passengers off the bus, and we're going to give you the money. They put a bag of money in there, and they pull a Kill Bill Volume 2. Yep. Fucking Black Mamba. That's right. Right in that bag. Bites <laughs> him in the face. <laughs> I want- Like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> New police tactics. <laughs> Using I, poisonous snakes. That's right. <laughs> Venomous snakes. I, I wanted to just say. go back to the house scene for a second because I, I cannot believe that Harry didn't approach this scene with a little bit more caution. He's a little too quick to bust in and head like right for the middle of the house. I agree, but I guess the justification is they're running out of time. And so okay. he's, he doesn't think that this guy has thought that far ahead. Right, right. He thinks that this guy's obscured his identity enough to the point where he thinks he's untouchable yeah so they think they've got a big score by figuring this out but 
the trick is he wanted them to figure it out, That's which right. they do sort of talk about in the movie with yes. the gold watch thing, right. which was something that Harry was talking about when he was being overheard by Payne early in the movie. Right. It sort of reminded me of the hot spot for some yeah. reason because Don Johnson's talking about the watch. Although it is a recurring thing in a lot of right. stories. With you work all this time and they give you a watch or whatever. It is kind of a bummer for Harry's death because they kind of hone in on that moment of realization. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. I <laughs> yeah, it's like Pesci up. and Goodfellas. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Jack figures out that Payne has been watching the passengers on a hidden surveillance camera the whole time, allowing him to be one step ahead of Jack at every turn. The reason he figures this out is Payne has been referring to Annie as Wildcat, which I guess Jack just chalked up to being like a creep, or I don't even know how in Jack's mind he's thinking that I don't know. I, I was going along with it too because I mean, Howard calls her a wildcat, describes her as a wildcat. I'm like, yeah, she seems. Yeah, but like how a does he know who's driving the bus at all? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I guess he saw in the news maybe that. Yeah. Or they told I him think, that Sam got hurt. I, I guess you're just supposed to assume with the helicopters that they've been zooming in for. Like, right. News I guess shots. that's yeah. what. Right. Jack would be thinking, but it turns out that she's got like a jacket or something that says like Arizona Arizona Wildcats I think yeah or whatever and or maybe it just says University of Arizona yeah Jack puts it together and he puts it together that he's been watching the whole time and that's why he's calling her Wildcat because he sees the University of Arizona thing which is a big fuck up on Payne's part that's right because it's basically how they succeed and based off other things he does it almost seems like that would be like an intentional clue that he's giving. But it doesn't serve him in any way, so it wouldn't No, be. it's the only way they can get out of this. Yeah, yeah. So this whole time, recently, they've been circling on the airport runways. But this secret camera is ultimately Payne's undoing. The police have a local news crew record the UHF transmission and then rebroadcast it on a loop to fool Payne yeah. while all of the passengers are actually offloaded onto an airport bus it's a rough ride for our friend Cameron. Barely makes it onto this other bus. <laughs> I know. But I was thinking this is the beauty of old, outdated technology because now everything would be harder to disguise this way. Sure. You wouldn't be able yeah. to interrupt someone else's internet feed from their own devices and stuff and make it seem like it was just being broadcast out. That's right. But they're able to like take this outdated technology. Well, outdated now. but Yeah, yeah this kind of old-fashioned technology and, and pirate it basically back to him thinking it's the real thing. That's right. But it's really a one-minute loop. It's not like he's staring at it. Yeah. So even though it takes him forever to figure it out, and he does figure it out later, I don't even know if you would figure it out that fast. I know. Unless you, you started getting like, suspicious. Just glancing over, you've mostly been looking at the same thing anyway. Yeah, well, he's going to the bathroom. Right. He's got other TVs with the news. He was uh-huh. watching a football game at one point, which must have been a replay or something because of what football game's going on like at 10 a.m. on a I don't know weekday but you know what I mean like he's caught up in other shit he's not staring at the feed from the bus Jack and Annie then escape the bus through the floor access panel using this elaborate rope steering wheel maneuver <laughs> turning the panel itself into a sled as they fly out through the bottom yeah it's completely insane it works a lot better than i was thinking it was going to oh you'd be run over <laughs> yeah you would just slide right under the wheel <laughs> all of this effort you oh, save everyone else and they're just immediately dead <laughs>
The empty bus then collides with a huge cargo plane and explodes. Oh, yeah. I was thinking to myself, whatever businesses had merchandise on that, like, cargo plane, that just, like, lost all this stuff, and they're just like, what do you mean a bus drove into it and it blew up? (laughs) Does insurance cover that? Yeah, we should point out that because it's a restricted air space over an airport that's why the news helicopters like aren't filming it too so Payne's right. sort of in the dark he calls i think mac or whoever he's still looking for the money because he, he doesn't know what's happened and that's basically what jack says he's like he doesn't know it blew up they're gonna take this as the opportunity to catch this guy that's right they've got the upper hand finally i will say and this is something that would definitely not happen in 2021 very cooperative media yeah, that's true. The media yeah. outlets are all just like, yeah, we're what, not going to film this. Help. We'll yeah. help you out doing that. This is like all playing a part here, willing to not broadcast what just happened. That's right. Because they know he's watching, so yeah. they're not going to say the bus blew up. It seems unrealistic. Even in 94, it's sort of a stretch. I'd say so. No one's reporting that this bus just blew up. Jack and the cops head to the drop point to set up a bus, but... Payne sees the sharpshooters everywhere and knows it's bullshit. He then finally figures out his feed from inside the bus is on a loop, and he realizes no one died in any explosions. Payne then poses as a policeman. A lot of alliteration there. That's right. Payne then poses as a policeman to kidnap Annie, who has inexplicably been dragged into this rather than taken to the hospital or at the very least home. I did find that odd. Well, she was that, riding in the same ambulance as Jack, but... But why didn't they take Jack to the hospital? To, I mean, was Well, he if he just was like, going to be a part of this, then he needed to go with the cops. Like, why is he dragging the, her into this? It's completely Then he never should have even gotten in the ambulance. Right. It's irresponsible. It doesn't make any sense. So now she's just right. waiting there for Payne, who she doesn't know what Payne looks like. A guy so who's Payne been, comes up to him. By the way, very unpredictable through this whole thing. Yeah. And now you're, like, bringing her to be at the place that he's supposed to be. Payne's able to nab the money because of a literal hole he's drilled into the sidewalk underneath the garbage can. Brilliant. It is brilliant. <laughs> I know. They completely didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb, though, because how would you be able to do that without attracting attention in like, a city like Los Angeles? It's interesting to me that they didn't think about this because it basically goes right down into like these tunnels to the subway. Yeah. It's like, how are they not looking at some sort of schematics when they are identifying that this is the place that he wants this yeah, to be they dropped didn't off. Think, they thought that he actually wanted them to just leave it in a trash can, and he was going to walk up to it. I know. Come on. Jack follows Payne down into the underground subway system, only to realize it's actually Annie, who has been fitted with an explosive vest. I know. Doesn't look like Dennis Hopper for even a second <laughs> that we see her on screen. Like, it's not a trick reveal or anything. Rigged to a pressure release detonator and i do love jack's reaction oh no (laughs) that's like all he says (laughs) by the way not a ton of movies spending time in the la subway system yeah or people yeah true no i guess i don't know so what happened was they literally ran out of money and when they were doing some test screenings for this movie they just had storyboard for this part okay and Based on the enthusiastic responses, they got more money to finish it like this, with whole additional action sequence with the subway. Oh, wow. 
I guess they would have had to have scrambled and come up with something different to end the movie, but the audiences were very like, over the top. We need one positive. more transportation sequence. Yeah. That's why the budget says 30 to 37 million because I think it's kind of up in the air of like how much more money they got or whatever, you know, that kind of a thing. Wow. But yeah. I love the idea that you're going to a test screening and there's just storyboards. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a test screening of a movie and we were talking about that before we started recording. Yeah. That was hours ago at this point. <laughs> but yeah, what there is like been. unfinished elements sometimes to a test screening. I saw like different music that would never be in this particular movie, like way too expensive oh, and right, that right. kind of shit. And different beginnings and different shit. The beginning of the movie didn't have credits. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? It just yeah, looks yeah. a lot different. But, like, I didn't see fucking storyboards. That would have been insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Payne takes the money and Annie, then hijacks a subway train. He handcuffs Annie to a pole and then kills the train engineer. Jack pursues them and then manages to get on top of the subway train car. Perhaps mockingly, not really sure what his motive is here, but Payne attempts a bribe. Oh, yeah. ransom money. Right. I think he's joking, but I don't know. But it actually prompts him to go look at how much money he has. Yeah. So it's, I guess he's really ready to like go with this bit. He was really committed to it. He was going to show him the money. But a dye pack in the bag bursts, tainting the money. Completely to his surprise. Yeah. He actually thought they were going to give him $3 million. Yeah. This pushes Payne back over the edge. Oh, boy. Starts firing a machine gun up into the roof. Seems impossible that Jack doesn't get shot here. Oh, yeah. Or he would have rolled right (laughs) off. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. He's screaming. This is probably the best part for Hopper in the movie. He is, like, unhinged throughout, but he's mostly by himself. Yeah. So now he's, like, interacting directly with Keanu. It's it's pretty fun. Payne and Jack battle on top of the train as it's moving. So this is it. This is the part that... I remembered everything that there's one more showdown on the subway train. For some reason, I had a memory. And in my memory, it was like, I guess like the top seemed like wider, but they were like standing and like wrestling with each other. But they are never on their feet. No. You know, it's all laying down. It's actually kind of a weird, like it's better in my head. (laughs) It's weird that they're like rolling around together. (laughs) Well, there's no room, I guess, to stand. And Jack causes pain to be decapitated by a railway signal, somehow grabbing hold of the pressure release detonator without it going off. For those of you confused by this, Annie has a vest on that's rigged to blow, and the detonator is just something that you let go of. You don't even push a fucking button. Right, it's like a grenade. So it's super sensitive, like anything could happen. The fact that it transitions from pain to Jack while pain is decapitated on top of a moving subway car right unbelievable (laughs) yeah and we get one more what feels like an opportunity for a good line that ends up being super lame yeah when hopper's like i'm smarter than you or whatever and keanu's just like i'm taller right i guess because (laughs) he doesn't have a head and so he's shorter now yeah i guess is what that means yeah but we've got one more trick up speed's sleeve jack quickly and efficiently deactivates the vest on Annie, but is unable to uncuff her without the key. It just so happens that much like the freeway, they're on an unfinished train track. Ha! Somehow. (laughs) But what worked for us last time? Speeding up. Right. Which they don't really do. It says on Wikipedia that they speed up, but he doesn't. It doesn't seem like anything works. He says he's going to. 
Right, but I, yeah. I was like watching what he does. It doesn't seem like anything really happens. Nothing works. They cancel the train down. The emergency stop isn't working. So he possibly speeds up or possibly just lets it go. It's, it's sort of hard to tell. He doesn't abandon Annie, even though he's acting like it's possible that they could have jumped off the train, which I don't really know how that would have been possible either. I would agree. It seems unlikely. The train derails, plows through a construction site, and bursts onto Hollywood Boulevard. She didn't leave me. I can't believe it. You didn't leave me. Didn't have anywhere to be just then. Relationships based on intense experiences never work. Okay. We'll have to base it on sex then. Whatever you say, ma'am. <laughs> Unharmed, Jack and Annie kiss while the crowd looks on, amazed. And that's your movie. <laughs> and how fucking incredible would the sex be between these two that night absolutely best sex anyone's ever had they have this like little joke between them about you know they've had this flirtation going but they can't start a relationship after a traumatic event and then she goes well it'll have to be based off sex then yeah yeah they carry that joke the traumatic event or whatever they say into speed too okay it's brought up now, Jason Patrick is in Speed too. Yes. Is he this character? Or no. Is, it's, okay, it's a different guy. No, and they do reference, like, I was in a relationship with a guy who blah, blah, blah. You know, like, they okay, do okay. that at the All very right, beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's, gotcha. So right off the bat, All right. <laughs> you know. I guess that's better. I mean, I was like, if Jason Patrick is the Keanu Reeves character, that stinks. Well, it stinks anyway. I know. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Just the worst. Yeah, Speed's awesome. It, of course doesn't really make sense i mean it makes sense but it's unbelievable too many things happen in it that would never be able to happen but it's awesome the problem with speed too is yeah keanu turns it down you would like to say that he just turned it down because it was shitty and i I think he did but it's not like he made great choices in those years it took a while to find another good movie but he realized i think pretty quickly that the concept of speed on a cruise ship just (laughs) What are we talking about? I mean, it was like a joke. Like I said, I was 10 when the movie came out. I went to see a lot of shitty movies. Like I wasn't like, oh, man, I won't bring myself to that. But people treated it like a joke at the time. Yeah. I do think that people incorrectly assume, though, that it's the same idea. It's not really. It has nothing to do with how fast the boat's going. Okay. It's Willem Dafoe. He's the villain. He's the villain. He just like hijacks the boat to crash it into the... Right. And they can't like take the controls back. Like he kills the captain early uh-huh. on, and then yes, it has nothing to do with how fast the boat right. is going, okay. <laughs> which doesn't even make sense. How many the ocean. knots is it going? Yeah. yeah, they can't slow it down at a certain point when they're crashing into the fucking island. But that's, that's right. because they don't have control over the boat. Yeah, yeah, it's stupid. It, it it's terrible no matter what. But I do think people incorrectly assume it's like the same thing where I it's know. like they have to go yeah, a certain yeah. speed or something. 
But no, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's inexplicably like two hours long. There's a lot of random people in it, including our favorite actress, Colleen Camp. Oh, wow. Okay. Amongst others. All right. There's some recognizable faces on the boat, but it stinks. There's no chemistry between Jason Patrick and Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock almost seems like she's depressed that she decided to do this movie. Yeah. I, I guess she felt loyal. They probably offered her a lot of money, too, Once they, especially sure. once they realized Keanu wasn't going to do it. It came out in 97, so like three years later. It has a 3.9 on IMDb, which is horrific. Yeah. Well, movies like 4% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. Movies in the fours on IMDb are yeah. like unwatchable, a lot of them. <laughs> a lot of them. Not all of them, but right. a lot of them. It's pretty much universally reviled. Oddly enough, Roger Ebert liked it and gave it a positive review. Wow, that's bizarre. Yes, yeah, so it is 4% on Rotten so Tomatoes. So he's probably like one of the only ones. Holy hell. No Keanu, we got Bullock, Jason Patrick, Willem Dafoe, budget of $160 million. so... What? <laughs> over five times the budget Holy of speed. Holy shit. Well, you know how stupid studios are. They're like, well, we're going to waste all of our profits on speed yeah, for the really? sequel. <laughs> it ended up doing a box office of $164 million. So it basically broke even. Yeah, but it lost money. Yeah, it's yeah. considered a f- huge flop. But it had super expensive stunts and scenes, including when the boat crashes into the island, which is one of the most expensive things ever filmed, especially at that point. I think that's probably changed now. Right. But it's no fun at all. It drags on. There's really no suspense. All of the excitement from Speed is gone. Speed is like a nonstop thrill ride of exciting moments. Speed 2 has none of that. There's really just nothing else to say about it. It pretty much derailed DeBont's directorial career. I mean, I know he got to direct a couple of things after, yeah. but it was a misstep for all involved. I'd say so. I can't believe it made that much money. I mean, I know it didn't turn a profit, but... Speed was such a big movie, I though. Ne- yeah, but I just... I, re- I was going to the movies at this time in my life. It didn't feel like people were going to see Speed 2 Cruise Control. Obviously, they were, and I was wrong, but good God. You were 10, though. I, mean, I know. You don't know everything. No, I don't, but... <laughs> I think it was PG-13 also, where Speed okay. was R. So they were trying to like branch it out even further. Yeah. And the fact that it did 164 is just a testament to how popular Speed was. Because typically, I know audiences don't always align with critics. And sometimes poorly reviewed films do, still do well. But I think of a movie as that ripped apart, it's pretty rare to generate that kind of interest. So the fact that yeah. it did 164 is actually still pretty mind blowing. Yeah, I'd say so. But yeah, nothing else to say about speed itself. So let's move on to recommendations. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of gene picks. Jean's trash. I'm Jean. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I have a, a weird one. Probably oh, not no. something that... <laughs> I So I rented this off Prime, the Anthony Bourdain documentary, Roadrunner. Okay. The first half of it seems like one of the episodes of his shows, and there's, there's a lot of recycled footage. I was like really kind of bummed. I was like, I, I cannot believe they don't have more unused footage that they're like working into this. The second half of the movie is basically like... Everyone from his circle 
kind of dancing around it, but seemingly like blaming Asia Argento. <laughs> yeah, which ev- everyone sort of does. Oh my gosh! Like they are they at a minimum. Like I said, they don't come out and like outright say, "Oh, this is on her," but they definitely are making their feelings clear that they do not like her. I was yeah. like kind of shocked at how much if, of it was that. <laughs> like it was probably like the last twenty minutes of the documentary. Yeah, there was some controversy too because they brought in a guy that yeah. imitated his voice for a couple lines. I didn't really think that was that big of a deal. I didn't think it was like I didn't think it added anything to it, but I really didn't feel like that was something to get I get that why upset it's a big it. deal. I get why it's because it's okay. plagiarizing. It's basically saying that he said something that he didn't say. Yeah, and that's it, fair. Because it okay. tricks the audience. Yeah, yeah. If you say that it's not really him and you make that like very that's clear. true that's fair yeah but like acting as if he said something he didn't i say. guess i didn't find the things that he was saying to be anything so like what's the name of this thing uh, roadrunner okay yeah this is pretty new i guess you can rent it yeah okay. i rented it off prime i had watched a lot of his parts unknown series over covid i guess just being desperate to like travel again <laughs> I, I always i liked it i mean i liked his show i always found him to be like an interesting dude and there was always clearly a darkness there that came out in his shows even which was kind of weird for a show that was about like travel and food right so i always thought that was kind of an interesting unique series for that and uh so i wanted to see it and i watched it and yeah i it was okay but the the asia argento stuff almost was like shocking how <laughs> how much these people yeah were i'm like conflicted i do think that she probably contributed to some sad feelings and it yeah. definitely seems like their relationship was toxic but i always i may i mean <laughs> you know me i mean oh, i'll yeah. make jokes about stuff but sure, sure. i think in reality the idea of like blaming someone for yeah, someone else's I know. suicide is Absolutely. always weird and i agree tricky. and i thought that was odd yeah that yeah. they were almost going that far but the one thing i will say about it that jumped out to me was i didn't really know a lot of the details around everything like leading up to it but watching him in his behavior it was kind of revealing like and it did strike me as like you know things that you and i've seen in life he was like so over the top gushing over her when they like started dating that you're like this can only lead to a bad thing right yeah you know that was kind of eye-opening i was like oh wow like poof it hit close to home i've had some of those moments all right, I'm going to recommend a show that's pretty new. It just debuted this past week with three episodes on Hulu, and it's called Only Murders in the Building, and it stars Steve Martin, Martin Short, oh. and Selena Gomez. Wow. That's right, folks. <laughs> the, trio, yeah. the trio you never knew you needed. I loved the first three episodes. I'm putting this show over huge, even though I've only seen three out of the ten that are going to happen because Hulu's doing it week to week now after the first three. It's about three people that live in a building in New York City. There's a mysterious death that's ruled a suicide. They don't believe it, but they're all also obsessed with true crime podcasts. So they start their own podcast as they investigate this death. There's a lot of things you don't know at first, you know, that's slowly revealed like relationships to things and, these people are not friends at first. They all just live in the building. But then they form this bond over this death that they're trying to do this podcast about. It's definitely a comedy. Yeah. I thought there was some very hilarious parts okay. in the first episode. Steve Martin plays this guy who used to be like a cop on TV. 
So he's like this famous like TV cop from the 80s or something like that. Martin Short is like a former Broadway type director who's now wow. fallen on hard times. What's he looking like? I feel like I haven't seen him in a long time. I mean, he looks basically the same. Okay. All right. He was on, you didn't see the comedians in cars getting coffee with him? I didn't see his, oh, no. That's great. Okay. Still like one of the funniest people ever, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, sometimes it just, in the looks department, it goes poorly for some people with age. Well, uh, Martin and Short, they still tour together like all the time oh, okay. and they had a special on netflix together like they're both in their 70s gotcha. but yeah they're keeping it together good, selena good, gomez good. is great in it i don't know really what her deal is as far as an actress it's sort of hard to tell if she's good or not i mean obviously i love spring breakers sure but that was a long time ago yeah i know she's had i'm not blaming her i know she's had a lot of health problems and the, the whole thing with the kidney and everything uh-huh. but you know i love seeing her in it it's a dynamic that you wouldn't expect to work. These two dudes in their 70s and then like this younger chick who's like 30. It just seems weird, but it's sort of fun. I'm sad that I couldn't binge it all. You know what I mean? Like, that's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm watching three episodes and then I'm like, well, now I have to wait a fucking week, which is yeah. sort of a bummer. But if you have Hulu and you're interested in true crime podcasts and that whole thing... I think it's fun. I think it's worth checking out. The humor's a little dry and like different. I don't know if everyone would like love it, but it has really good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I know that. Right, it seems hey. like the critics like it. I'm interested. All right. So yeah, you can check that out on Hulu and you can rent Roadrunner probably a lot of places, although I'm sure that will pop up on like Hulu or Netflix I would think pretty it, soon. I, I was picturing it going to HBO Max because they have parts unknown on there. Yeah, that's definitely possible. All right, folks, thanks to Jade for the listener request. If you have one for yourself, you can hit us up on Twitter. We'll get to it eventually. I know that Jade's been waiting a long time. The people that are coming up later this month are coming, you know, they waited a long time. Mm -hmm. But we'll get to it. Yeah, we appreciate you sticking with us. So let us know if you'd like a sticker at Greatest Pod on Twitter. Just hit us up. Let us know what you think of the show. We always want to hear from people. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and make sure you're subscribed to the show. And you can find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby. Tell a friend to listen. Spread the word. We're back. Took a little bit of a break. I think part of the compromise with ourselves and you, the listener, is that our post-Greatest October break will only be one week instead of the customary, like, three. So that was the big break, unless something comes up. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, no promises, but yeah, that's yeah. the plan right now, is that we're not going to take, like, a huge break after Greatest October now. So that was it right there, because of various other things. All right, so thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.
Jones, you're all the same. Man, that's your instrument. I felt so ashamed. <laughs> Tell me that you didn't just quote Freddie Prince Jr. I knew it. That was a line from She's All That. I masturbate to that movie. 